Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. My guest today is Dr. Katherine Perlman. Dr. Perlman is the author of Ignore It, How Selectively Looking the Other Way Can Decrease Behavioral Problems and Increase Parenting Satisfaction. She's also the founder of The Family Coach, a private practice specializing in helping families resolve everyday problems related to discipline, sleep, sibling rivalry, and other issues. I learned of Catherine when she wrote an article called, It Doesn't Matter to Me Where My Kids Go to College. She is the proud parent of a son and a daughter, and her syndicated Dear Family Coach column has appeared in the Wall Street Journal and many other magazines. She's appeared on Today, and her advice has been featured in Parenting, Men's Health, CNN, and the Huffington Post. Dr. Perlman is a licensed clinical social worker who's been working with children and families for more than 20 years. During our conversation, Dr. Perlman gives lots of great advice for parents to help prepare our teens for life after high school. Some of the things we talk about include teaching consequences rather than nagging, how to let go and allow space when your teens aren't engaging, the important shift in parenting that must happen between the elementary and middle school years, and how we should be promoting adulting in every way possible. There is so much great advice in this episode. Let's get started. Welcome to the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Are you tired of watching the teenagers in your life trying desperately to keep up on the high school hamster wheel? Is your teen confused about which direction to take after high school graduation? Our world is changing, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they can feel empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode... We will explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and I can't wait to take this journey with you. Hi, Dr. Perlman. Thanks so much for being here on the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Hi, thanks for having me here. Oh, I'm really glad to have you here. You have so much wisdom and experience to share. And um, for my audience who probably doesn't know, I found you through a post on, I believe it was Grown and Flown. And um, the article you wrote was titled, It Doesn't Matter to Me Where My Kids Go to College, which of course struck a nerve with me. Um, So I reached out to you and you were kind enough to agree to come on the podcast. But before we get into all that we have to talk about. Will you just give a quick intro about who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, I'm a licensed clinical social worker, uh, and I have a private practice called The Family Coach, where I began uh, by going into people's homes and helping them with just very common parenting issues. Uh, The goal is to help people enjoy their parenting more and their kids more. Um, I'm also a professor of social work at Brandman University, And I do a lot of writing now about parenting uh, in my practice. I see a few families, but mostly I I write about parenting issues. I wrote a book called Ignore It um, about how to decrease behavioral issues. And I am the mom of two teenagers, uh, one who is applying to college right now. So um, you're right right in the thick of it. Yes. And such a strange world we're in, especially as it relates to college applications and college life and what's going on with that. But um, yeah, I you've been published so many places, CNN, Huffington Post, Wall Street Journal, Parenting. Your content has been distributed widely, both in print and you've been on the Today Show as well. Is that right? 
Um, Wow. So let's start with parenting in general and the work that you do. So you talk about how to help parents enjoy parenting and enjoy their kids more. And I'll tell you, that's a struggle with teenagers. I mean, um, I love my kids, don't get me wrong, but I have found, especially (laughs) most recently in the teenage years, um, it's a struggle. What and it's a big question and a big topic. What kind of advice do you have on that for parents of teens specifically? So it's funny. My practice has always been mostly babies, toddlers, and then teens. It's like the middle years kind of go smoothly and things kind of bubble up again in the teen years. And the funny thing is teens and toddlers are actually kind of similar. They both want um, a lot of independence, but some things are not really ready for um, they get frustrated very easily when, you know, they're not allowed to do the things that they want to do. Um, and so I really help parents focus on uh, helping their relationship with their kids because the goal is to have a lifelong relationship with your child who's going to be out of your house. So focusing on what's really important in your relationship and being able to step back from some of the other things. I mean, I wrote a book called Ignore It. And so I talk to parents a lot about ignoring a lot of attention-seeking behaviors, uh, like slamming doors, I hate you, um, you know, bu- you know, pushing buttons, all of that I tell parents to ignore because um, anything you say and do in that moment is going to reinforce that behavior and make it happen more often. And furthermore, it's not solving any problems and it's only damaging your relationship. So I teach parents to ignore it. Uh, and then I also work with parents on adulting skills. You know, your goal is to help your child, you know, leave the nest and be successful in whatever way um, makes sense for them and, um, you know, to have a full life. And so some of that has to really start middle school and early high school to get kids prepared to, um, go out on their own. Yeah. I've, I've shared a number of articles and I've actually talked about adulting myself and it's those skills that they're going to need, whether they go to college or to a job or the services or, um, you know, trade school, no matter what they do. And they seem reluctant. I mean, I say this all the time. My kids are, you know, very bright, but God forbid they should find a way to put a dish in the dishwasher, like the simplest things. And I know part of that is just not enthusiastic about putting dishes in the dishwasher. It's not that they can't, it's that they won't. But speaking of ignoring, um, what do you do when your teens ignore you? I mean, I don't see a lot of the door slamming, thank goodness, and shouting. But on the other hand, it's hard to get them to engage. Do you have any suggestions about that? Well, part of engaging is um, you have to let that go in the teen years. I mean, the goal of the adolescence is to branch out of the house, to see the world outside, to learn to um, manage that world when they're still at home in a safe environment. And so we want them to look outside the home. And as parents, that's kind of painful. We're like, hey, we're here. Why aren't you have any interest in me? But I try and help parents reframe that. That's actually a good thing. They'll come back later. You know, they'll be more connected later, but really developmentally, they need to be connected to their friends. They need to be connected to the outside world to see why it's interesting and what's you know out there for them so that they can develop a life outside of the house. And so especially in a generation of kids who've been helicopter parented, and I say we've all become helicopter parents, myself included, it's it's 
it's really pervasive, more or less, uh, you know, different degrees. But, you know, we've been very hands on with our kids. And so when they get to the teen years, they don't want that anymore. And truthfully, they shouldn't have it. But as parents, we're not so accustomed to letting go of that. So we have to give them space to be in their rooms all the time and be on the phone with their friends and um, have a little distance uh, and accept that because the more we try and hold on to them, the more they go underground. We have to give them space and they, they will come back around. And then what I do see a lot is, you know, when you talk about the dishes, I kind of laugh because what happens is we, as parents, we tell our kids, you know, you need to put the things in the dishwasher and then they don't. And as parents, we can decide we can nag, 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 or we can just do it ourselves. And a lot of times we just do it ourselves because that's easier. We don't want to bother. We're not in the mood. And I get all of that. But then the kid learns, I actually don't really have to do this. So I'm going to ignore your requests. So when that happens, parents have to decide, if I'm going to ask you to do it, then it, it's a non-negotiable. And if it doesn't get done, so example, the dishwasher has to be emptied before dinner. And I'm not going to nag you about it. I've already told you it has to be done. If it is done, thank you. I'll tell you thank you. And if it isn't done, here's the consequence that happens. You have to put your phone down at eight o'clock or you um, have to also take the garbage out or some other consequence. You can't use the car. That makes sense for the child. But um, and very quickly, they don't empty the dishwasher. And then the consequence comes they're very mad. There's a lot of anger. And it's amazing because the very next time you say you have to empty the dishwasher before dinner, boom, they're on it because they don't want that consequence. So really, when they're ignoring you, they're basically saying, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Boy, that is so true. Because say, I don't want an egg. I ask them one, two, three times. And I'm like, oh, and I'm wanting to run the dishwasher. And I'm like, oh, I'll just throw them in so I can get the dishwasher going. But you're right. You're right. We need to like, if we're going to ask them to do it, we have to wait and let them actually do it rather than jumping in ourselves. I know I'm guilty of this. I'm just yep. not good about it. Um, <laughs> I think we all are. Um, but I like what you said too about it's such a it's such a push-pull, right? Because they want that freedom and they want that independence. And of course, right now, it's incredibly hard to give them that independence because they can't go anywhere. Um, so yeah, they are holding up in their rooms all the time because that's their connection to their friends. Um, are you are you working with a lot of families right now who are struggling with with COVID and what it's doing from a isolation and and anxiety inducing kind of feeling? Yes, there is definitely been an increase in depression and anxiety, which had already been increasing in. Um, young people and teenagers, and even as young as, you know, uh, tweens, there's been a, a, a very strong increase in anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation and suicide uh, in a very worrying ma uh, fashion. And then now with COVID, there's been an even, you know, more of an increase with people being stuck at home, being isolated, being worried about the world, worried about family members, worried about money, um, worried about their parents' relationship. So, you know, it, I, I do see that this is an issue and parents are, are struggling to get help for their kids stuck at home. Right, right. And again, like mine will spend a long time video gaming because they're on chat channels and things with their friends and connecting with them. And it's hard to say, get off your computer because you want them to have that social interaction but you also worry about the fact that they're in the room on their computer for these long periods of time. But I don't know. I mean, they're not getting that connection in school. They're not getting it in social events. 
it's a really tough time for teens. And I'm trying to ease up a bit on that um, and try and find that balance. But boy, that is a challenge right now. Yes. I mean, I think the screen time has been a huge issue um, because, I mean, I have that with my son too. The only way he connects with his friends is by playing video games um, or doing uh, Discord chats or things like that. And so he's on his computer all day for school and then homework and then all you know, afternoon or evening on and off with his friends. And it's really unpleasant for parents to see their kids in front of screens so much. We've also been accustomed like to try and reduce screen time. And we have to just let that go. We really do. We have to at least just find some ways for them to disconnect, um, but also to give them some space to have time with their friends in in a creative way. Um, And then when this is all over, we'll have to find ways to help them disconnect again, because I think that there's going to be a whole generation of kids that have now spent excessive amounts of time on the screen, and it's going to be difficult to get them off. Yeah, I was thinking that too, when this finally resolves in some way. what is that going to look like for them? If they're going to have to kind of re readjust back into the world of socialization. Although from what I can see from my kids and just from their friends, they can't wait. Like as much as they love their video games, they'd still rather be out and about and face to face with people. So I'm hoping that that's the case. I think a lot of kids are going to struggle with re-entry. I think your mm-hmm. kids might be pretty excited. Um, But I think there are a lot of kids that have anxiety or social anxiety or, you know, just discomfort in life because, you know, adolescence is tough and it's really easy at home. It's really safe at home. And I think that it's going to be hard to re-enter the world of having to manage all the discomfort that comes with being a social adolescent. And, uh, you know, I think some kids are going to need some help to get out of the house. Yeah, maybe we'll have to do another episode when that comes for advice to help our kids readjust because we all know it's coming. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, I think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. So let's talk about the article that you wrote. And I know it was a little ways back and you said you have one getting ready to go to college, but um, the name of the article was, it doesn't matter to me where my kids go to college. And, And one of the things that stuck out to me that you said in that is where they end up has no effect on me. And I think that's a really strong and super important statement because just from my own experience and people I talk to and stories I read and posts on social media, parents feel so responsible for where their kids end up, right? Where they go to school, what kind of career they end up in. I think part of it is peer pressure, part of it is societal pressure, and part of it is if my kid doesn't end up at X school or with X degree, then I wasn't a good parent, right? 
do you talk to families about this? Do you, do you give them advice on how to kind of step back and and be less not invested, but just giving them more freedom when it comes to that? Yeah, I wrote that article almost like a cry for a societal change because I'd seen with my own kids' friends, you know, starting at three and four and five, that with the resume building and playing sports and piano and tutoring and all of this stuff with the the end goal of focusing on getting into the perfect college. And it just felt like... um a waste of a childhood in a way to focus on this one goal that actually doesn't even really matter. There's many paths to a successful adulthood and many colleges and many choices other than college. So it has been brewing in in me for a while. And then when my kids were sort of getting closer to that age, the pressure was really on to up their game with volunteering and, um, you know, with their extracurriculars. And I just felt like this was very misguided. And what's so interesting now that years have passed is what I see is this path where parents have been pushing their kids and pushing their kids and pushing their kids. And they finally get to the college of their dreams that has the perfect major for them. And it, everything is perfect. And they fail out. They, they aren't successful. They have mental health crises. Um, they're not able to do the classes or they they picked this one school because it had the most perfect major and it was the best top of the line. And then they decide they change their major. They don't even want that major, that amazing major anymore. Now they're stuck at this college they don't even care about. So, so many things are happening, whereas kids are not graduating in four years. Uh, they're falling apart in their first and second year, or they're falling apart in their junior year of high school and they're not even able to complete their applications. Um, all because we put so much pressure on this one decision and we've forgotten to build the life skills. We've forgotten for kids to figure out who they are instead of doing all of these extracurriculars, have some downtime to actually figure out what you enjoy. Uh, you know, but a kid wants to quit piano in their sophomore year and you're thinking you can't quit piano. Like, how's that going to look on your college applications? But I'm thinking quit piano. That's, there's an opportunity cost there. If you're stuck playing piano, which you don't even care about anymore, you're not figuring out that you're really crazy about robotics and that might be where you want to go. Or, um, you know, you're really interested in politics or I don't even know. But um, I think there's an opportunity cost. So I'm, I'm now seeing so many kids that are really falling apart in the 16 to 20 year old range. And I think a lot of it is because parents miss the opportunity. So I try now to help parents in the you know, middle school years make a shift. You know, the way you parent your kid when they're five and eight is really different than the way you need to start parenting them in the middle school years. And we we often miss that shift. So we're still trying to control everything and we're still working towards this ultimate goal of the best college education. And I really try and make a shift in how parents see their role and what they see as a successful way to, um, you know, move forward. And I think some parents are starting to see their friends' kids come home from college and not make it or um, fall off the curve. And it's like a wake up call. Amen to all that. I mean, that's hence the high school hamster wheel from the minute they step foot on campus. It's we'll do that because it looks good on a college application. And do, who cares what you like and what you're good at? Like that's going to look good on your application. And I, I say all the time, if I knew then what I know now, I mean, I, I think I was guilty too. I helicoptered and pushed them and 
you know, I remember saying my my older son loved um, Legos and was really good at building them from the time he was like four and five years old. And we used to say, oh, you're so good at building things. Maybe you'll be an architect. Maybe you'll be an engineer. You know, and now he's 16 and he wants none of that. So we kind of put them in these mold or we label them when they're young. And then we hold on to that, even though they start to diverge away from that. Um, so that's that's really good to keep in mind. But what about for parents whose kids are in high school, right? So those middle middle school years are over. And now those kids are in high school. And, and I hear it too. A lot of 16-year-olds are like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. I don't know where, where I want to go to college, if I want to go to college, what I want to study. You know, I'm a huge proponent of the explore as many different things as you can. As one of my previous guests said, prototype your life. So become an intern, volunteer somewhere, talk to people in different fields. What advice do you have for parents one, to step back more, but two, to help their kids kind of think through it and figure out who they are before they make this big decision. So for parents, I I mean, the step back has to be a huge step back. And the reason parents have trouble stepping back is because they're afraid their kids are going to make mistakes. But I say you have to let your kids make mistakes. Let them make it now where the stakes are not, you know, as important so they fail bio. Okay. And then what happens? They learn that they need to do more, you know, studying. They learn they need to contact the teacher more. It's better they do that than when you're paying, you know, thirty to sixty thousand dollars when they go to college. Um, so stepping back means you're no longer contacting the teachers or the principal at all. Your child is. You're no longer managing homework and tests. And you know, schools now are sending parents emails every day with kids' test scores and what homework is missing, step back from that. Unless your kid has a demonstrated real issue, let let your child learn to manage their, their schooling and provide support, but it's really on them. And little things, you know, you're not going to call a coach anymore. You're If they forgot their violin, then they're not going to play violin today. You know, you're not going to go bring them these things all the time because, you know, they've their room is a mess. They're disorganized. They haven't figured out a way to plan ahead. The more you help with love in this time, the more you're handicapping your child from being able to do and manage their life in the future. So it's taking a huge step back um, and try to focus on things other than achievements. I mean, I think we're always focused on, you know, oh, they got a great test score. Oh, they scored a goal. Oh, they, you know, became president of this club. But that's not who they are. You know, what's their character? What are they passionate about? What do they love? What are they doing with their free time? And try and revolve conversations around other things besides their achievements. Because often what happens is then, you know, they miss an achievement. And that's really painful for the kid because it feels like that's all there is. That's all they are. So um, try and build uh, more of that. And for me, promoting adulting is cooking, cleaning, laundry, calling the doctor for an appointment. Um, you know, my daughter, she'll hand me like a chocolate bar and she's like, I can't open it. And I'll say, do you want to eat chocolate in college? You know, because you're going to have to figure out a way to open this or cheese stick. Mom, can you open this cheese stick? No, if you want to <laughs> eat cheese in college, you're going to have to open this up. So, but my, you know, my loving inclination is absolutely honey, come. I want to be needed. I want to be helpful. Let me open that for you. Parents have to stop doing that. They have to say more and more, my job here is put myself out of a job and 
get the child to do more for themselves. So to promote adulting in every way possible, you know, the kid is applying for a job. What do I do? Don't do it for them. Help them, you know, teach them. Kids these days, they don't know how to make phone calls. They don't know how to call a doctor. They don't know how to, you know, follow up on uh, um, their missing SAT score, like whatever it is. Provide support, provide mentoring, but then let the kid do it for themselves. So um, I work on that. And also work on your relationship with your kids. You know, if you're feeling like you have lost them, find what the kid is interested in and do that. You know, they love this one band and you hate it and you're always making fun of it. Well, that's not going to bring you closer to your kid. Maybe say, okay, fine. Let me, let's, let me try. Let me listen. Or they love gaming, you know, get on the game, you know, try and learn what they're doing. But I think as parents, sometimes we're like, oh, this stuff, I hate all of this. And then the kid's like, well, you're not interested in any of my things. So I'm going to do my own thing. So try and find some common ground, try and and work on your relationship during this time. Oh, that's all great advice. Yeah, it. I feel them slipping away. And especially, you know, I'll get like memory pictures pop up or I just think about, you know, I have one that's having a birthday soon and I just think about when they were toddlers and I miss that so much, but I'm trying to let go because I know they're going to fly the nest soon enough. And it's just that tug back and forth that is so hard. But, um, but yeah, I think that's, that's the true for all of us, right? We don't want to let go, but we know, as you said, like, that's our job, right? That's our job to get them ready to leave the nest. What about, I hear from a lot of parents that their kids are really, especially now, but in general, lacking motivation. So I think some of it's overwhelm and anxiety and uncertainty, but especially for like 15, 16, 17-year-olds, they don't know what they want to do after high school. They have no idea what they're going to do, where they're going to go, what they want to study. You know, everybody says, well, you can't talk to teenagers about the rest of their life. And I'm like, we're not talking about the rest of their life. We're talking about the next step in their life. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think um, I hear from a lot of parents of lazy kids. And I say lazy in quotes, because I think a lot of times these kids aren't lazy. There are a number of reasons why they're not progressing. For a bunch of kids, it's because um, the pressure is so high to succeed that they worry they're going to fail. So they let it become a self-fulfilling prophecy. They fail on almost on purpose. It's not like a super conscious decision, but they back off from doing things because they'd rather not do it than try and fail because they've learned that failure is not acceptable. And so I think that there is a way to talk to kids about changing up what's important and changing up the pressure and, and letting kids slowly develop again, things that they're interested in. I also think that a lot of things, um, teenagers who look lazy have executive function issues. So um, maybe ADD that's been undiagnosed. ADHD is pretty obvious. You know, when your kid is can't sit still, is bouncing off the walls, is, you know, very, very active, parents often see that their kid has ADHD. But when it's more of the attention deficit side, it can be easily missed, especially if you have a very compliant kid who's bright. So they get through the early years of school without problems, but by the time they get to high school and they really need to plan more and organize their time and their schoolwork more, they can't do it. And so often there's an undiagnosed ADD issue or an executive function issue that needs to be addressed. And that kid isn't lazy. They just can't figure out all the steps 
in order to, to hand in an assignment, you know, you have to pick a topic, you have to get the books, you have to plan how, how many days it's going to, you know, all these planning steps are really hard for some kids, but for the bright kids who are compliant, it goes under the radar. Parents don't see that there's, there's an issue. So whenever I hear there's a lazy kid who, you know, previously was doing pretty well, that's usually my first, um, area where I want to have an assessment to see if there's anything else going on that's preventing uh, them from succeeding. Okay. That's good to know. Um, so they should probably seek out a counselor or uh, wherever you would have an assessment done and see if maybe there's an underlying condition rather than just, I had another guest who said that too. She said, I don't believe in the word lazy. I think there's a reason that the kid is not performing or not participating, whatever it might be. Especially if they were not always lazy. And it's very rare where you have a kid that's always been, you know, disconnected, unmotivated, you know, at some point they fell off. And, you know, it usually happens where they can't muscle through anymore. And, or there was a trauma, or there was a mental health issue, or there was, you know, like I said, a fear of success. There's usually, I agree, something that's behind the behavior. And I think it's more important to find out what that is than to keep belittling kids for being so lazy. There's something, there's nothing less motivating than being told you're lazy. Right. Right. So for parents who still feel like college is the only path to success, and if they don't get a college degree, they're going to be living on my couch playing video games. What do you have to say to them? I mean, I think, unfortunately, in this society, college is still very important for a vast majority of jobs, but it is not for every job and it is not for every person. And there are many avenues. Uh, If you have an unmotivated kid to go to college, I don't recommend pushing that kid because you're going to spend a lot of money or the kid's going to get in debt that never goes away and they won't even have the benefit of the degree. So, you know, if a kid really doesn't seem interested and the parent is very interested in that path, maybe community college is a good way to start, uh, you know, work, work a little bit, live at home, and maybe take a couple of classes. I also think, you know, sometimes just working for a couple years till the maturity comes in, and the kid can see what it is that they're really interested in. But also parents need to look at themselves, you know, where is it coming from that um, they must go to college? And figure out where, you know, they learn the lesson that there's only one path to success. I think that can be really helpful. But, you know, unfortunately, college is still pretty important. And if the parent feels like that's the only way, they have to look at the child in front of them and see, okay, how can we work together? Not me demanding or me telling you what to do. How can we work together to find the right fit, the right place, the right timing, and all of that? Okay. Great advice. Any other advice for parents of teens or college bound or not um, families that you want to share? I mean, really, I would just say to give yourself and your kid a break. First of all, this is not a normal time. So, you know, everything that's coming up is, is a lot for us personally, we're all struggling. And so it's, it's not an easy time. So if your kid is watching more TV or playing more video games or you're cooking less or you're cleaning less or you're disconnected more, that's okay. You know, give yourself a little bit of a break. Give your kid a little bit of a break that these are not normal times. I would say that 
anyway, but even more so now with everything that's going on and, um, you know, do practice self-care uh, to help, you know, you get through and focus mostly on on having a, a good relationship with your kid. That above all else, above college, above anything else, having a safe place for your kid to be and a loving relationship is, you know, the most important thing. Excellent advice. So much wisdom. So where would people find you and follow you online? Where would you like to direct them to? So on Facebook and Twitter, they can find me at The Family Coach. And on Instagram, I'm at The Family Coach Says. And my website is The Family Coach. Perfect. I will put all those links in the show notes, including a link to your book um, and anything else we talked about, the article that I mentioned earlier. Thank you so much for being here. This has been personally super helpful to me, but I'm sure also super helpful to my audience. So thanks a lot. Oh, thank you for having me. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd love it if you would share it with a friend or two. The more that listen, download, and share, the better others will be able to find it. And I'd be grateful if you'd visit Apple Podcasts and leave me a rating and a review. Don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast player so new episodes will be delivered directly to you as soon as they become available. You can find and connect with me on the High School Hamster Wheel Facebook page or on my website at highschoolhamsterwheel.com. All links and references mentioned during this episode can be found on the show notes page. The High School Hamster Wheel Podcast is a proud partner of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be back soon with another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Hello, and welcome to Guilty Greenie. I feel like we should start off this show by saying it's nearly impossible to be 100% sustainable given the current world we live in. How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Not a great analogy for a vegetarian, but you know. We're talking uh, about sustainability, maybe not the best analogy. Don't eat the elephant is the first rule of the Guilty Greenie. There's your first challenge of the week. Avoid (laughs) elephants. What they used to call frugal is now considered sustainable. It's such an aha moment. Frugal to sustainable. You can save money and help the planet. That's going to be our new tagline for sure. You can find Guilty Greenie on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast platform you prefer. And join us in tackling the Guilty Greenie challenges. Until then, stay curiously green.